Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. The Santa part gets me every time. I can't reenact it because it just would ruin my voice for the rest of the day. But, oh man, every time I see it, I have to contain myself. What did we do without Buddy the Elf, right? Like, he has been a staple of the Christmas season for the last 16 years that that movie's been in existence, right? 16 years, everybody's like, what? Yeah, we're getting old. That's, that's what's happening. It's been 16 years. But for those of you that I haven't met, my name is Danny. I'm the lead pastor here. And we're, as Lauren said, we're just super honored that you're here with us today. But we've been, over the last couple of weeks, we've been going through some different Christmas series and looking at different passages in the scriptures that remind us of God's presence and where he is in the different seasons that we walk through and the different areas that we go through. And, and this one, if you haven't seen Elf before, you need to go ahead and see it. Like, it's, it's worth seeing. It's, it's super funny. But Buddy the Elf, who is Will Ferrell, was accidentally dropped into Santa's bag as a toddler and is raised as an elf in the North Pole. And eventually, as he starts to become ginormous compared to everyone else, he realizes something's not right here. And so he, he leaves and he goes traveling to New York in his full elf uniform, which is amazing. And it's just this incredible story of him connecting with his father, who's a cynical businessman, and after this DNA test proves that he is his son, he's stuck with him. And just this journey of figuring out what it happens in, in this childlike buddy ends up causing tons and tons of chaos as every Christmas movie goes, right? Like every Hallmark movie, it's the same thing. It's just something goes wrong and haywire. Oh no, they did what? And then they have to fix it, and then everybody kisses at the end, and it's all good. It's Christmas, right? Yay, that's awesome. But for some of us today, we feel a little bit like Buddy the Elf. We feel a little bit like Buddy the Elf, not because we're weird or because we like candy-laced spaghetti, but because we're actually experiencing a season of success and blessing. For some of you in the room today, this is actually been one of the best years ever. You've experienced God's presence. You've seen his hand at work. But the issue is that you see so many other people around you struggling that you almost feel bad by the joy and the peace and the progress that's happening in your life. And we've been talking about different seasons, seasons of the valley, seasons of the wilderness. And today, my friend, if that is your life, you're on the mountaintop. And you're experiencing God and you're experiencing life in a way that is just truly incredible. And it doesn't mean that everything is going perfect. There's never a point in our life where everything is perfect. But all in all, you're seeing incredible things happen in your life. And today I want to talk about our purpose on the mountaintop. Because I feel like this is, in the years that I've been in church and around church, I feel like this is a neglected topic, right? Because I feel like we talk a lot about when we're down and out, and we've talked the last couple of weeks about the valley and the wilderness, that waiting season. We talk about those things a lot, but 
look at this point. I think this is really important. If we don't understand our purpose on the mountaintop, then we'll drift towards believing we got there by ourselves. If we don't talk about it, if we don't recognize what's happening in our lives and find our purpose in the good seasons of our lives, you and I, and maybe you're better than I am, but I drift towards believing it was my hard work and my thinking and my strategizing that got me to where the good things are. I love what James, the brother of Jesus, says. He says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down from our Father. No matter how hard you work, no matter how lucky you feel like you are, no, no matter how smart you are, I just happen to believe, and it doesn't mean you have to believe the same way, but I happen to believe that the good things that happen in our life come from God. It comes from him being at work in our lives. And what's really cool, what I love about it is even if you're in this room and you don't believe in God, you don't believe that he is who he says he is. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. I still happen to believe that God is at work in the background of your life, trying to draw you to him so that your attention will finally be turned to him. And you go, hey, wait a minute. There's more to life than just myself. So I believe that God is always at work in these seasons, these mountaintop seasons. And that's a really important word for all of us to remember. It's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Because this season of progress, health, and strength, and success, it isn't forever. It's not forever. I, for Lauren and I, I felt like we went through this pretty extended period of time where we could probably say we we're on the mountaintop a couple years ago. And we were just kind of going through things. And we even had people in our lives going, oh, things, things are still going pretty good for you guys. You better get ready. So I'm, I'm like, whoa, don't speak that over me. Like, I understand that, like, things are good right now, and it's not always going to be good, but chill out. I don't need that. Get on out of here. But we, we had our challenges, and we had those moments where, where our faith was struggling and our, our, our faith was tested. But all in all, God his hand was really apparent in our lives, and we saw some incredible things. We could definitely say we were hashtag blessed, like every post could be hashtag blessed, like we lived that life. But eventually, we all have to come down from the mountaintop. Eventually, that season's going to be over, and the things that we learned and experienced in that season is going to prepare us for the next one. And that's why I wanted today for us to focus on discovering God's presence and his purpose in our lives when we're on the mountaintop. Because if we miss it, we're not going to know what we're going to do in the next season that we're walking through. So what I want to do today is give you three quick challenges in this mountaintop season. And the first one is this. When I am on the mountaintop, I am going to attract attention, positive and negative attention. You're going to attract attention, just like Buddy the Elf. He is the definition of drawing attention to himself, not because he was trying to. He was just being himself. He was just being his crazy old, tall, Will Ferrell self, and he drew attention. But his joy and his energy was beautiful to some and a complete annoyance to other people. And I, I think for you and I, we don't realize when we're going through life that we have that same 
impact. That for some, we bring joy and energy, and for others, it's kind of frustrating. We're going to talk about that in a second. But did you realize that when you stepped into a relationship with Jesus, you became new? You were made new because of that relationship with Jesus. We experience a transformation of our hearts and our minds that demands attention. Something shifts in our lives, and attention is drawn to us. Check, check this out, what Paul says. He says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ who has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. That was 2 Corinthians 5. Isn't that amazing? That when we step into that relationship with Jesus, we're new creation. This is, this is why we, we baptize people. This is why we believe in baptism. Because it's that symbolic moment of your old life being washed away and coming out a new person. A person whose life is completely changed. Does it mean that you're never going to struggle with anything anymore? Does it mean the next day if you're addicted to something, boom, it's gone? For some people, maybe. For others, that's a process and a journey that God is working you through. But at the end of the day, we believe that God creates you as a new person when you step into that relationship with him. When you truly make that decision. But with that said, there's a reality that comes with it. Not everyone is going to be happy about the freedom you found in Jesus. Not everyone's going to be happy about your life being changed. As you step into Jesus and you're transformed, it demands this attention. And the things that, that used to matter to you, they don't matter anymore. And the way that you, you lived your life, it doesn't satisfy like it used to. So you see changes in your life, but that doesn't always work out well for the people around you. And we're going to talk about that in just a second, because today I want to look at a story out of the book of Acts. The book of Acts is right after the Gospels, right after the, the four books that talk about Jesus when he was on earth. And Acts is a really unique, because, it's a unique book because it tells the story of the early Christians right after Jesus died, he rose from the dead, and he, he ascended up to heaven. And it's just this really cool thing to watch these guys figure out what a relationship with Jesus looked like when he was gone and how it was interacting with the culture around them. And it's fascinating to me because it's how you and I, Jesus is, is in heaven and he's gone and, and we're figuring out that relational side. So I love the book of Acts and our passages in Acts 16 where we meet Paul, the famous guy who writes the letters in the New Testament and one of his partners in ministry named Silas. So check this out. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit or a demon that enabled her to tell the future. This is important. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exas exasperated that he turned and he said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Paul was like, I get what you're trying to do, but you're driving me crazy. I'm done. Be gone. Like it's over. All right. Verse 19, her master's hope of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and they dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city was in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. 
and a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. The city officials ordered them stripped, beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. Now, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. They delivered a girl from a demon. They healed her life. They brought joy and peace and hope to her life through what they did, and they got beat for it and thrown into prison? This is a, why, why would they not be happy about this girl and her life being changed? And check this point out. This is really, really important for us. There are people in your life who benefit from your bondage and your brokenness. There are people in your life that when your life starts to change because of a relationship with Jesus, it makes them unhappy. It's uncomfortable because when you're free in Jesus, you're not as easy to manipulate. You have someone in your life leading you. You can't be manipulated as easy. Your focus and your attention is on something different. When you're free in Jesus, your brokenness can't make them feel good about their dysfunction, right? There are friends and people, family members in your life that they thrive off of your dysfunction. And when you don't have dysfunction, they're like, what is going on? You, you done messed up our flow. This is how we live our lives. Remember, misery loves company. There are people in your life that don't want to see you better yourself because as you better yourself and you grow in your relationship with Jesus, it makes them uncomfortable about how they're not doing it in their life. And we can't miss that. When you step into your relationship with Jesus, when you, when you take it serious and you start to see God moving and speaking into your life, you have to understand that it's going to draw attention, positive attention of people going, yes, that's awesome. And the attention of people who say, you forgot where you came from. You forgot where you came from. Don't you remember being with us? You think you're better than me now. This whole Jesus thing. You think you're better than me? Don't worry. Don't, just don't, don't worry. Soon enough, you'll be right back here with me doing the same old thing. There are people in your life who have benefited just like this little girl. There were, there were the masters who benefited from her being possessed. There are people in your life we have to be on guard and watch out. Jesus told us this would happen. He said this in in John 15. If the world hates you, remember it hated me first. The world would love you as as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. You remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me naturally, they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. And, and for those of us who have been a follower of Jesus for a while, we get, we get I, I'm trying to not use the analogy that I normally, but we get something in a wad and all jumbled up in our lives when people are uncomfortable with Christians. Jesus, Jesus like, he would tell us the same thing. I told you it was going to happen. They hated me. You think they were going to throw you a party? If they hated me, the son of God, don't you think they're going to be upset when your life starts to change and you look more and more like me? Of course they are. We have to calm down as Christians. Oh, they're mad at us. They're saying this about us. Of course they are. Jesus told us it would 2,000 years ago. The question is what will you do when doing the right thing sets you back? 
What will you do when the right thing sets you back? When you have to progress slower than others because you won't cut corners or you won't step on people to get higher up the ladder. When you show honor to people around you. What happens when, when you have to live out your values and your morals that you, you feel like God is putting in your life and people say negative things about you? When you say, oh, I don't, I, I'm not really messing with that anymore. I, I just I don't feel like that's what I need to do in my life. And that family member says, who do you think you are? I thought you were one of us. Now you're better than me. What do we do? Will you, will I choose the hard right over the easy wrong? Will we choose the hard right over the easy wrong? Paul and Silas did what was right and they paid a price for it. Did they do anything wrong? No. Did they live out their purpose and their calling? Yes. Did the people around them hate them for it? Yes. Jesus describes his followers as cities on the hill, light in the darkness. We will attract attention. The closer we get to Jesus, both positive and negative. But look what happened next in the story. I I love this. Verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. There's so much there but I can't go into it. But just don't miss that. Paul and Silas, beaten, probably half naked, if not fully naked, sitting in a prison, singing to Jesus. And who was listening? The other prisoners. We're going to talk about that in just a second here, but man, don't miss that. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed that the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself because he knew he was going to die anyway because he let the prisoners free. So he's like, well, I'm going to go out on my own. Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here, which is just crazy. The chains fell off, the door opened, and you stayed in prison? What? Paul is an interesting cat. The jailer called for lights, and he ran to the dungeon, and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. The second thing today is when I am on the mountaintop, I must realize it's not about me. I love how the Passion Translations of Proverbs 11.25 says it. It says, those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings will be saturated with favor. There's an old saying, a churchy saying that people would say amen to and they get all hot and bothered about it. It was awesome. We are blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Yes. Blessed to be a blessing. It's true, but it's hard to live out. Because what you and I do, and again, maybe you're better than I am, but when I'm going through those rare moments of success and growth and excitement, my focus, not yours, of course, but my focus can easily turn internally rather than externally. When things are going well in my life, it's easy to go, oh, finally, close up the castle I've got some treasure. Things are going good. God, look what I did. Look how hard I worked. Instead of my attention and my focus going to those around me. 
So how do we turn our attention from ourselves to others? It's this point, we maintain a passion for worship. Worship is one of the most important things to get our attention off of ourselves. It's why we carved out a few minutes today to just take that time. Just in this crazy season, one of the easiest ways for us to get our attention off of ourselves is to worship, to turn our eyes to Jesus. Paul and Silas were beaten. They were bloody, hungry, thrown into a dungeon. And what did they do? They worshiped. Could you imagine? Could you imagine going into work and getting fired and coming home and your house is in shambles because someone robbed you? And the thing that you do is you turn around, you walk into your empty bedroom with everything gone, you get on your knees and you worship. Could you imagine doing that? That's what these guys did. Beaten, stripped, thrown into prison. And their response was, we should sing a good old hymn. That's what we should do. Let's just sing to God. We cannot lose our passion for worship in the confusing, in the chaos of our lives, in the, the unfamiliar areas of our future, in the things that we're just deathly afraid of. Worship and our attention going back to our Heavenly Father will open up a door for us to stay connected with Him. Webster defines worship as this. Worship is defined as the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. You can call it a deity if you want, but it's an expression of reverence towards God. For some of you, that's a moment of singing. You close your eyes. Maybe you lift your hand as a sign of surrender, and you just you worship Him in that moment. For some of you, it's, it's just a conversation with God. For others, it's, it's writing down something. For others, it's going to a spot in, in the, the woods and just being silent before God. Whatever worship is to you, that's what draws our attention off of ourselves and on to God and on to the people around us. Have you ever noticed that when a hiker goes on a really daunting exped- expedition, they rarely go alone? They bring a team, they bring a crew with them that can help them get to the mountaintop. And you and I have the opportunity when we're going through those mountaintop experiences to help bring other people up with us, not stand and look down and go, "Woo! I hope it gets better down there. Woo, peace out, right? You and I have an opportunity in those seasons of blessings to be a blessing to others. It's not about us, we have the opportunity to be that encourager. We have the opportunity to be that person that brings joy and laughter into the room. We, we get to be the employee that sacrifices our agenda so that the team can be better. It's us as a, as a husband or as a wife giving that extra 10% when our spouse is walking through a difficult season. When we feel like we're close to God, we feel like we're blessed. When we feel that mountaintop experience, that things are going well, we must be a blessing to others. We have to guard ourselves from turning our attention away from God, the true provider, to ourselves. When things are going well, it cannot be about us. You see, Paul and Silas's worship, uh, I just love this, their worship caused the world around them to change. 
Something shifted in the atmosphere, not just for them. The earthquake came, the chains fell off, the doors opened up, not just for them, but for all the prisoners around them. And for some of you today, you need to open your eyes to the fact that your freedom in Christ is not just for you. Jesus didn't go through all of that to get your attention, to cause all the magical things for you to come into a relationship together with him, and you finally get it, and you're like, whoa, Jesus, there's more to life. Okay, I'm going to give my life to you. I'm going to surrender. Some of us stop there, and we don't realize that God has called us to bring that freedom to other people in our lives. It's not about us, your mountaintop experience with God is, is not just for you. The seasons of provision and blessing is not for you. Your season of progress and growth is rarely just so you can get a promotion. It's because God wants to do something special and powerful in your life. Every time that I walk through a mountaintop experience, I'm always challenged by God to continue to focus on him and to look for how I can help people around me. Every time I feel like I'm finally, you know, I'm, I'm working that muscle of being a good leader and things are going well, it's rarely so that the attention can be on me. It's almost always so that I can help people around me. Our moments on the mountain are not just for you. So you have to ask yourself, who in your life needs to experience the freedom you received? Who in your life needs to hear what God has done in your life? Who in your life needs that encouragement of someone who can walk side by side with them? I don't have all the answers, but you know what? I feel like God's doing some really cool things in my life. And I feel like if we walk side by side together, you're bound to feel something different in your life too. Paul and Silas worshiped and all of the prison was set free, but none of the prisoners left. They experienced something that was so powerful that it forced them to go, whoa, 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 I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right here to see who this God is that you serve, that you were just singing songs and everything just opened up. This powerful experience. Who do you know that's chained to a life that you know God has better for them? And the ultimate question is, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to continue to just focus on ourselves? Are we going to recognize that God is calling us to reach the people around us? The final challenge is this. When I'm on the mountaintop, I must make a memorial marker. A memorial marker. Just as quickly as things turn for the better, they can turn for the worst. Life comes at us quickly, and it comes at us hard. And it takes one phone call, one text message, one meeting on a Monday morning. It takes one moment for things to shift. Lauren and I experienced that, and, and we don't have to go into the story, but going through a season where it's like, oh, man, everything's good. And you walk in one day and everything changes. It's like, what in the world happened? How, God, like... We're, we're just going this way, and then all of a sudden, poof, it changes. Life comes at us quickly. We looked at, at the story of Elijah last week, and, and we saw how he had this incredible mountain. God had sending fire down from the sky, just all this crazy stuff. And the very next moment, we see him running desperately away from a woman who said she was going to kill him. Like, you just call it down fire from the sky. What are you stressed about? Life changed in a moment for him. 
And we have to make memorial markers to remind us of what God has done. Because as quickly as we go through those mountaintop experiences and we step into that valley, we step into that season of waiting in the wilderness. Soon as that happens, we need something to remind us of what God did. Write down what God is doing in this season. Write it down somewhere, a journal, a book. Take notes in your Bible of something that the Lord is speaking to you. We live in, a, in an awesome day and age where we've got a computer sitting in our pockets. Go to your notes section of your phone and just type a title, what God has done and what he has said to me. And then just jot stuff down. It doesn't have to be a novel. You don't have to be the next C.S. Lewis. You don't have to write down all the crazy stuff. Maybe that is how you connect with God, but it can just be as simple as, hey, God provided a check at the right moment for that big bill. I heard God challenge me to have more faith through this bad news. That's all. This verse helped me. I, I read this verse and write down that verse or take a picture of your notes that you take at church and you put it in that note section just so that when you're walking through that tough, challenging season, you can go back to that spot and just see what God has done. I can't tell you how many times over this last year, 2017, 2018, 2019 have been some crazy years for Lauren and I. Some of the most difficult things we've ever walked through in our 11 year marriage. But I can't tell you how many days that I go back to my journal and I look and I flip through and go, oh man, I forgot that God did that. I totally forgot about that moment. I totally forgot about that situation. We create memorial markers so we can remember what God has done. Don't, don't go through this season of progress and faith and, and energy and excitement and miss the chance to write down what God is doing in your life. Because I promise you, you won't remember it when the bad news comes. You think you will. Oh, I'll never forget this. It was so crazy. Yeah, you will. Because the pressure of the moments that come following the mountaintop blind you from seeing what God did if you don't remind yourself of it. On the mountaintop, recognize that attention is coming. Don't run from it. Use it to bring others closer to Jesus. Recognize that it's not about you and then record what God is doing in your life. In our movie, Buddy the Elf, he saved Christmas with his contagious joy and his passion. And it changed everything for everybody. And, and I'd encourage you, this is important because I, I know that I've done this in those seasons. Don't hide when you're being blessed. Don't hide. Don't feel like you have to isolate yourself when good things happen because you don't wanna make other people feel bad. No, instead be a light in the darkness. Be a, be a blessing to those in your life. Enjoy those mountaintop experiences that come in your life and allow God to fill you, to shift your perspective, and then to pour out of you. The Bible describes us as a vessel. A vessel, its whole purpose is to pour out. It holds and it pours out. God wants to pour into your life so that you can pour out into other people's. You can bring joy and laughter and energy. That's our responsibility and that's our purpose on the mountaintop.
Let's pray together today. Jesus, I thank you that regardless of what we're walking through, that you're with us, that you're for us. And God, I think a lot of times it's easy for us to process that when we're going through the challenging seasons because frankly, we need you. We have to see your hand at work. Otherwise, we don't know what we're going to do. But God, I know in my life, there have been so many seasons where you have blessed my life. And God, I've made the mistake of thinking that it's because of anything that I did. And I fail to see the purpose and the, the plan that you have when I'm in those rare moments. So Jesus, I pray for the people in the room right now that God, you're just pouring blessings on your life. And I know that we're all blessed in our own ways, but God, those who specifically feel like they're walking through a mountaintop moment in their life. God, help them to see that their, their blessings are not just for themselves, God. One of the most important things, God, that I pray today is for each of us that we would recognize that our relationship with you is not just so we can connect with you, God. Our responsibility, you call us to reach out to those who were lost and are broken, God. Do not let our freedom that we found in you be something that we're quiet and we're silent about, God. Our relationship with you is something to be shared, not to be quiet. Give us the boldness this Christmas season. As we sit around tables with crazy family members, as we connect with crazy folks in Costco and at the mall, God, help our faith to be a light in the darkness. Let us bring joy and peace in every room that we walk into. God, I pray that we would change the atmosphere of every room that we walk into because we're carrying your presence and we're carrying your name. And we'll see your hand move and make this the best Christmas ever. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you are with us. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.